This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. This episode is about an unsolved mystery. What you're about to hear is not a news broadcast. For every mystery, there is someone, somewhere, who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening. Perhaps it's you. Ooh. Join us. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. <sighs> An unsolved mystery? Can't do the theme song. No, that's, that's the Fletch theme song. What are you doing over there? <laughs> you just got to slow it down. It's creepy. Ooh, Yeah, set the tone. It's not even October, but I feel like it's almost got kind of a spooky, serious Maybe. tone. Maybe. 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 But welcome to Big Style. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last spooky, serious episode. ABBA! Yay! You can dance. It's be a huge change to this Guys, show. I've, yeah. had, wow. I've had ABBA songs stuck in my head since we recorded that episode. We hope everyone has. I'm going to throw it out there. This is the most uh, the most I've still had in my head after one of these types of episodes. Yeah. I didn't have the Queen songs in my head, the Rush, the Beach Boys songs. Yeah, you try much. to purge it out, but ABBA, it's, it's there forever. Uh, full confession, by the way, I think I like ABBA more now after doing that episode. Really? really? Yeah. Like before, oh, I was fine. Because you called them songs. basically cotton candy before the show. I, uh, that's what I said. I said, listening to them in pieces is fine, but it's like cotton candy. Yeah. If, when I was binge listening, it got really sickly sweet. sweet very quickly. Right. And there's not a lot of substance. But as we talked about it, as I studied it, as I still listen to them, I'm like, I think I appreciate them more so because maybe, of Bakersfield. Maybe we should have waited like a week to do that show. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. If, if no one else got anything out of that oh, show, uh, this, I learned this something. Was for this me. was for me. Well, there were some fun comments on the internet as well. Thank you for uh, everyone who commented there. Honestly, we had some really great engagement. Both. On Instagram, even. People commented <laughs> yeah. on Instagram. I was so happy. Um, but I'd like to say an older fox on Twitter said, that was perhaps the single best intro of Bacon Sale ever. No, yes. come on. Nice. I mean, it was really pretty good. Because here's the it's thing. Right up there with the Muppets. We've, but it didn't fall apart as much as maybe the Muppets did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this was this I fell apart. I was laughing at the end of it. Pretty legit. Just saying. Now, I really like ABBA. Uh, Joel said that he started liking them I'm more. I'm to appreciate Kent, them. Yeah, I'm Kent a fan. appreciates yeah. I don't think any of us love ABBA as much as Andrew in the Dark loves Mamma Mia. He <laughs> Wait, went, Mr. David Lynch? Mr. David Lynch himself. Okay. He went on a full-blown social media campaign in support of Mamma Mia, specifically saying that he doesn't really even like ABBA. He says, I got a hot take on this. I hate ABBA, but I love the Mamma Mia soundtrack. Every time I try to listen to ABBA, I hate it. Oh, and I think Pierce Brosnan does an awesome job. But he also says on Instagram that, oh my goodness, I do love Mamma Mia. It's a perfect family night movie. At least it is in my family. We can all sing the songs without the music. If I had a little money is a reoccurring joke whenever we think about how we get out of a problem. And the cast is superb. I would name all the amazing people, but it would make this a very long post. Wow. So he moves on to Twitter, and he continues talking. What? Yes. He's very into Mamma Mia. And, and David Lynch. I support I support this. Okay. And then finally, Joel actually ended up retweeting this from the Bacon Sale account, but <laughs> at Crew Dutler mm-hmm. on Twitter says, Great episode. I saw Mamma Mia on Broadway in 2005 as my introduction to ABBA. My girlfriend and I took the Chinatown bus from D.C. to NYC for the weekend. I recognized the songs, but I didn't realize it was ABBA. I didn't even know what the play was about, but my girlfriend wanted to see it. It was fun. And now that girlfriend is my wife, and Aww. I owe it all to ABBA. Not really due to ABBA, but she did take a chance on me. That's adorable. That's a cute, cute story. That's why Aww. we do this show, to bring out stories like that. Thank you for sharing. 
Speaking of sharing, I'd like to share some news with you guys. Let's hear it. We have a new patron. Why? That's right. We have Dave Kelly. I said Dave Kelly. Yeah. Hey, Dave. You You said why? I said why? (laughs) Why would you support us? I was going to say wow. Yeah. And I was going to say hey. And and you're you a great guy, Dave but Kelly. But thank you, Dave thank Kelly, you, Dave for Kelly. being an I Am The Listener patron. Whoa. That means he gets access to the Pagan Bits that we do. He gets some merch. Awesome. And he gets to sponsor an episode as well. Very cool. And, and we're going to read his name. Yeah, at the end of each show. At the end of every show. show there. So we also, speaking of sponsoring a show, we have a guest here today. <gasps> Jake's here. Hey, hey Jake welcome. the Cooler King Swallow. Jake the Cooler King Swallow. Not not, not Jacob, Jacob Rogers. Rogers. It's Jake the Cooler King Swallow. Every time we say Jake, we keep being like, yo, Jake. No, well, not Jake. Jake. You, you would have got, hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey really, guys. Really excited about hey the guys. show today. Hey, one thing that I've always had is if somebody, if there's two Jakes in a room, I'm always juice. That's what you juice. call me. Juice. Juice. Wait, That's what? what you call me. That's it's a role I've ever had. Juice? Yep. Okay. So if there's two Jakes in a room, my name's Juice. <laughs> Making a Two note. Jakes in a room. That's a good band name. Yeah. So if I accidentally call you Juice on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll still respond. But Juice, we have you here today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why don't you introduce yourself to uh, the listener out there? Yeah. So uh, I'm uh, Jake the Cooler Cling Swallow, as uh, many of you have listened over the last few months. I'll people fast forward to that part. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, married. Got two kids. Yeah. Um, and we go back. Uh, yeah, we, we, we went do. To, we went yeah. to high school together, and we actually went to, on, on an LDS mission together in Portugal. Yep. Served yep. together there. Uh, never yep. in the same area, we, we don't think. but No. I, it was all around in the same area. Yeah. So, so yeah. when did you discover Bacon Cell then? Joel started... Uh, posting stuff on Facebook. I did. Of course, we were friends, and then so it was like, did oh, he I wonder remember what this you is. at all? Uh, <laughs> okay, just checking. Maybe. Inside jokes on Bacon Cell. So yeah, so I got onto that, and it wasn't. It was kind of off and on type thing, and then it wasn't until probably probably last September that I was like, oh hey, I need to find a different type of podcast to listen to, and we're kind of we family go. friendly. Yeah. Oh yeah, we okay. talk about fruit sometimes. We do. Yeah, me and my wife will watch, will listen to it on our way to Vegas anytime we uh, oh, cool. go down there for vacation. So nice. lots of time to kill. But, yeah, you know. And the kids, they're they're very young, but if you start listening, having them listen to it now, oh, yeah. they love it when they're older. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that's the yeah. plan. Yeah. So it makes it really fun. So, yeah. Well, we thank you for being here, yeah. And, yeah. and thank you for being a patron as well. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And we have here some questions. Uh, the for questions. You. The versus questions See we have which for ones I can do. For. Now, you've been friends with Joel for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I, I will be honest. I probably swing more Joel's way, but... There might be. He's a cute and all. He's cute and all. We go back. We have basically <laughs> the same upbringing a year apart. So yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, we have 11 questions here. We're going to throw them at you as fast as possible. Want fast answers. Either you don't have a strong opinion, just make a choice to make one of us angry. It's a lot of fun for everybody. I yeah. feel like I'm going to be angry. Are you ready? <laughs> yep. Let's go. Let's go. Which is better, Karate Kid or Karate Kid 2? Karate Kid. Nice. Which is worse, Star Wars Episode 1 or Episode 2? Episode 2. Hmm. Wow. Do you rate movies using stars or letter grades? Stars. Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, me? Which is the more America movie, Rocky Four or Independence Day? Independence Day. Juice! Yes. Uh, is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? It's a Halloween movie. Oh, okay, I'll take that one. Okay. Buffy or X-Files? X-Files. Okay. Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Star Wars. Okay. But why? Which is more Christmassy, Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? <laughs> Die Hard. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just people don't know. He knows. Uh, Phantom knows. of the Opera or Les Mis? Phantom. Okay. Labyrinth or Never-Ending Story? Never-Ending Story. Okay. And How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or 10 Things I Hate About You? 10 Things I Hate About You. Okay. I got a few wins. You did. Yep, I'm okay with that. So uh, it wasn't a complete Look, Joel's favor. I know you just started listening last year, <laughs> but if you listen a little bit more, your cynical side will grow yeah, and you'll yeah. side with me a little bit more. Yeah. That's, okay. not so well, right. that's not how any of this works. It kind of happens that way, though. Thank you for being here again. But that's not what we're talking about today, Jake. What are we talking about today, Zach? 
I don't know if anyone knows what we're talking about. Because it's a mystery? It's a mystery. All right. People we know what we're talking about, but they don't know the do, Does anybody really know? No, we're talking today about a very mysterious figure known as D.B. Cooper. Now, full disclaimer right here at the beginning, there are other better podcasts about D.B. Cooper. Like people that go super in-depth and you know dig up uh, all the details. Th- no, no, no. There are other podcasts. Better? Mm. They dedicate in their entire <laughs> podcast to this and have dug into every single Weirdos. detail. We're Hold not on. doing that. We're going to cover it all in one episode. What, are you calling me a weirdo? Okay, I'll take New it. best friend. Are we doing a true crime show? Kind of. Yeah. It is true. If you don't know the story of D.B. Cooper, it's, it's fascinating. I will say that this is a fascinating it's story. It's a rabbit hole type it show. It pulled me be. in when I first heard about it, and I was just totally involved with it for a while there. And uh, Well, I was going to ask Jake, out of all the subjects you could have picked from, pop culture or otherwise, why did you pick D.B. Cooper? And you've listened to Bacon Cell, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, uh, D.B. Cooper's always fascinating me because you have this guy who disappears and nobody ever sees him. Hijacks an airplane and disappears. Hijacks an airplane and just disappears. So, I mean, without a trace, there's like nothing. There's Did, something. Well, there is something, but, but I mean, not, for it, the it overall didn't help thing, better, it, so yeah, confused exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it it makes it very difficult to figure out you know, where he came from, why he did it, even, you know, what was his intentions were. It yeah. feels like one of America's grand mysteries, right? Yeah. The second shooter, yeah. Roswell. And but even those, even those are kind of conspiracy theory type things. It's like, oh, there may have not been a Yeah, and this shooter. was a crime that the FBI cannot solve. But there's solve. solid evidence that this thing happened, obviously. Yes. It's, yeah. a, it's an actual event, but it's just what happened after. No one knows. So leave it open. How so, did you get involved with the, the story of D.B. Cooper? So, uh, you know, those late nights when you're a kid and you got Unsolved Mysteries that comes on. That was the first, you know. It was actually on I, Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, it was on the TV Unsolved show Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, awesome. the TV yeah. with Robert Stack. Yeah. 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 So saw that and went, wow, what happened to this dude? Yeah. Robert <laughs> I mean, Stack or D.B. Cooper? <laughs> Both. <laughs> what if they're because the same person? Oh, he's reporting on himself. Works. Yeah, they look a little different. They do, they do. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so that's where uh, that's where the fascination started mm-hmm. was uh, in unsolved mysteries. And so, I, anytime a, a new documentary comes out or new information or that type of thing, I just like to latch onto it. You don't call me a Cooperite. Like, there's a lot of Cooperites. You don't go to Coop, you don't go to CooperCon. Nope, I don't. <laughs> but there's they do. They, they do have one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I haven't gotten to that point. But I don't know if I'll ever get to that point because eh. so I, I like this, the allure of the. Are whole you saying life. you're I, a sane yeah. person who does things in moderation? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 So, are there other big mysteries that you follow as well, or is this the prime one? Mm, it's probably the prime one. I like to dabble in some of the other stuff, like maybe Roswell okay. or uh, Sasquatch or Sasquatch or you know Loch Ness monster. You know, there's a lot of other smaller ones too, like. What was the one? Joe the goat? No, wasn't Joe the goat? Joe the goat? The, you mean the mongoose? <laughs> oh, mongoose! That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, it's Jeff, <laughs> the talking mongoose. Hey. Joe the goat, Jeff yeah. the mongoose, whatever. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too because like DB Cooper is one of those things you've probably ran across, and if you haven't dug in, you didn't notice what the reference was. But it's all over the place. I would say most recently, and maybe the only reason people know of the name or reference is it was shown in the Loki series yeah. just yeah. this past year, where Loki was For about three minutes. Yeah, where yeah. Loki was kind of nope. it's like oh, Loki was DB. It was really well done, too, I, considering. I, it was a yeah. fun little shout out there yeah. that I went, oh, I know what they're going to do here. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, just for reference, my kids are going to know the name D.B. Cooper, not because of the story, but because when we got a robot vacuum, you know, little robot vacuums that go across the yeah. floor, it was a D-Bot. And so we started calling D.B. And then I, of course, called it D.B. Cooper. And so my kids to this day will call the vacuum D.B. Cooper. I don't know Love if it. the younger ones have any concept of what that means, sure. but I have talked to the older ones about it. And and like I said, when I first heard about the story, it completely fascinated me. This is probably, 
I want to say like maybe 12, 13, 15 years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool. And then Kent and I, I don't know if I could say this. Maybe I can't. Yeah. yeah we'll but see. We, we worked with someone and we were having conversation about D.B. Cooper. And this person, that we, this coworker we worked with went, oh, I know something about that. And they began to tell us a story of why they thought this family friend of theirs was D.B. Cooper. And she had all this evidence yeah. that she was throwing away and all these details. And I was like, that is so cool if that's hmm. true. I think we were sworn to secrety. That's why I can't mention Pain her name. Pain of death or something like that? Yeah, I don't we know. Can't mention her name. Ah, she, yeah. she promised she us. She worked for the CIA, mention, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Hey, I, I know you guys are sworn to secrecy, but could you guys talk about it on a podcast anyway? <laughs> we didn't mention, we didn't it's mention actually on our pick a bit, so yeah. uh, go, go yeah. subscribe. We didn't mention April's name at all. But <laughs> Ken, what about you? D.B. Cooper, background. Do you have any? Yeah, just in pop culture references. I've seen like a short documentary about it before, but it wasn't until doing this research that I truly was fascinated with the story and wanted to solve it myself. That is called the Cooper Vortex. Yeah. Yep. People do that when they start investigating this story, they get pulled in and you just start... Because it seems like it, everyone should be able to solve this, right? You have enough information, like any true crime episode, you're like, oh yeah, that's easy. And literally all, the, all the documented files have from the FBI have been released to the public. You can dig in online yeah. and read yeah. everything. And they're now. still releasing files every month. They'll, they'll release files because of a, the Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, they're, doing, so. they're metering it. But yeah. why do people care? I mean, let's talk about the story. Why does this, what happened in 1971, why does this matter now? It's because it's an unsolved mystery, but no one got hurt. Like, this isn't some grisly murder story. This is the story yeah. of a guy who uh, got some money, bailed off an airplane, at, and disappeared. At the point where, even though he committed a crime, he's like Robin Hood? Like, we see him as an American legend. Some people do. Yeah, like, yeah. some people do. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Well, he never gave the money to the poor, as far as we know. We, yeah. Nah, we don't know what he did with the money. And Zach, you, I was going to say, you don't have a, a, like an understanding of, really, when we start talking about this, you're like, I don't know what this story is. I have no concept. So did you do any research for the show, or are you going to enjoy no. it with us here on the thing? I, I decided to come to Bacon Sale and be a listener. <laughs> nice. <laughs> kind of fun. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So let's get into it then, you, shall you'll, we? Hear, you'll hear me go, wait, what? Yeah, then Zach's going to get sucked into the Cooper so Vortex. Juice, oh, no. we're, we're going to have you lead the conversation. <laughs> uh, but Joel nice. and I are going to interrupt because that's uh, Bacon Sale. Yes. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all good. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey. So this starts Thanksgiving Eve, November twenty fourth. Uh, family's nineteen seventy worst. Yeah. Airports crowded. Busy Everybody wants day. to get home. Everyone wants to get home. So we have this middle aged man that walks into Portland Airport and buys a ticket for twenty dollars. Twenty dollar yes. ticket. That that in of itself is right. That's the unsolved mystery. Right yeah. There. Right. Why are <laughs> ticket prices so expensive? Twenty dollars. Right. But this what's so great about this is. If you ever go to the airport and you're going through security and you just hate it, it's because of D.B. Cooper. Be ever since this happened, your your life is probably... That's when they started bringing in metal detectors yeah. and started searching bags because of D.B. Cooper. And yeah. I mean, okay, we should flash back a little bit before. There were a bunch of hijackings like happening sure. in, the late, in the late 60s, early 70s of yeah. people taking the planes to Cuba and things like that. Mm -hmm. This was one, however, when... It was just kind of didn't fit that MO. It was a completely different type of hijacking. Right. But because of what he did, airports had to be like, okay, we got to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he buys a ticket, okay? On and Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305. On his ticket, it is actually written Dan Cooper, not D.B. Cooper. Yes. There was a, an error in the reporting after he disappeared 
there was a suspect named DB Cooper in Oregon mm-hmm. that they were like, oh, maybe this guy has a criminal Not record. Not even a suspect, just some guy well, named. He, he had a criminal Cooper. record. He had a criminal so record. Like, maybe it's him. him, and they went, no, it's not him. Yeah. But then the the local reporter put out the name DB Cooper, and then the the person who was doing the wide worldwide news it put out the mysterious. name DB Cooper. Yeah. It does because Dan Cooper. Yeah. That could be your neighbor, but DB Cooper. What does the DB stand for? That in of itself is just brings it right home. It makes him seem like he's a a bad. A, a bad A. Yeah, there we go. Okay, bad A. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> DB Cooper, bad A. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Dan Cooper, uh, he's mowing the lawn. Yeah. yeah, it's your uncle, right? Yeah. Which very well could be. But could you describe uh, Dan Cooper to us or DB? We're going to call him DB yeah, Cooper. Yeah. So describe what he looks like. Witnesses define him as a middle-aged man, mid-40s, uh, about six foot, 180. He wore a... Uh, six foot? I thought I had 5'10 over here. Uh, it varies. Well, like every so day, you, say six foot. you claim so, six foot. You're actually just five. Ten. I knew you were going to say that. His license so. probably said six foot. Probably, yeah. It's like a, <laughs> his Tinder profile back in 1971. Did he wear the sunglasses in the Tinder profile? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I mean, he's just he's just a normal, average looking he really gentleman is. Yeah, for he, the 70s. He right? seems to fit the profile of basically every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, guys. I'm 180. DB, I'm he's he's 180 pounds. Zach. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. Oh, geez, good for. Him. But and then they said they have he has swarthy skin, which I was yeah. like, no one uses that term anymore. What does that mean? Swarthy. Uh, it's a very seventies. Uh, it's a darker skin. Yeah. But we're talking wearing a suit. Yes. Yeah. At sunglasses. White shirt. Suit. Yeah. Thin White tie. suit tie. Yeah. Loafers. Uh, they said close set brown eyes. Like they have a sketch out there. If you go and look, like if you look up DB Cooper, you're gonna see the famous sketch of him yeah. wearing the sunglasses or not wearing the sunglasses in the suit and tie. There's even some sketches of him aged. Yeah. So they can, uh, you know, if you happen to see him as you're walking around, yeah. you know, you know, so anyway, know what to look for. He's on, he's on flight 305 yep. from Seattle to Portland. Portland to Seattle. Portland to Seattle, excuse yep. me, yes. It's a 30-minute flight? 30-minute flight. And so it's not long. Not at all. But as soon as he gets on, he orders a drink, a bourbon, bourbon and soda. Yeah. Yep. And, and even though the airport was busy, this is the day before Thanksgiving, yeah. they said the plane was only about one-third full. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this is in the afternoon. So... It, this isn't, you know, at night, at least not yet anyway. Not yet. So as they're ta- taxiing off the runway, he hands a note to the stewardess. Yes, Florence Schaffner. Exactly. And she thought he was just handing her a note that had his phone number on so, it. So Tinder profile right yeah, there, it's, right? It's the 70s or all time and men are gross. And so they see flight attendants and they're like, hey, I'm going to be really chauvinistic and I'm going to give her a note with my phone number or yeah. say something nasty. So she just put it in her purse, right? Yep. Didn't you look at it? Yep. How and then he leaned toward he her and that. said, miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Crazy. Yeah. So obviously she's freaked out, right? So yeah. she goes and sits down next to him and she asks actually to see the bomb. And he opens up the case, and, and she I, curiosity. I, 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 don't know. I, I was trying to think if I were in her position, what would I do? Yeah, and I don't know if I'd ask to see. Yeah, the bomb. if somebody slides you me a note and like, hey, I'm gonna blow you up, and I'm like, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and from what from all accounts, he's nothing but nice and and polite. Yep. Even though he's saying these you know things like I have a bomb, he's like, excuse me, miss, you might want to sit down. I have a bomb. But also, the bomb he showed her. Real or not, we don't know. Yeah. Look like an Acme bomb from Looney Tunes, right? <laughs> they said yeah, it was eight did. red cylinders Sti- and yes. two rows of four with some wires attached. She to assumed them. it was dynamite. Yeah, it had the yeah. appearance of dynamite. Who knows? It could have been road flares yeah. for all we know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. By the way, the note he gave her, we don't have because yeah. he took it back later on. He did take it. Back I was like, yeah. why aren't they analyzing the note, or why can't we see the note when I was looking around? But it, it, it's gone. 
the way I'm picturing him going into all this, you know, it was afternoon. It was this exact flight, obviously. Having the bomb, everything was planned. And he was just super calm and collected about the whole thing. Yeah, drinking his bourbon and soda, right. smoking some cigarettes. Yeah. It was the 70s. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> uh, so well, then... Uh, but, well... Not to stop you. Um, bourbon and soda was actually kind of the drink for socialites at this time. Yeah. Huh. So a lot of people, you know, drink bourbon, especially on a flight, because most of the time people would dress up as they get on a flight. Yeah, Nowadays, everyone's just comfortable. It's you know, the same. They're, they're, they're in PJs, they're sure. flip flippers, you know, whatever. I've seen people without their shirts on on flights lately. <laughs> yeah. What? So, yeah. But what? so this is a very socialite thing. I mean, he's very polished, he's mm-hmm. very educated just by the way he talks, by the way he speaks. That type of thing. Yeah. So it's very interesting that a man who's this uh, proper, I yeah. mean, is a criminal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you would think it would be somebody who's well. A lot of the, a lot of you these know, maybe putting a right? gun to the pilot's yeah. head. Yeah. And, a lot of these uh, hijackers like from before, they would be loud and boisterous and demanding, like with with guns saying, "Take me to Cuba." Yeah. And that was a huge thing. Is like you know these flights to Cuba. Mm-hmm. But he was just polite and calm. Yeah. And so she has to see the mom. He opens it up and then he closes his briefcase and makes his demands. Which so, were Jake. So, so yeah. most hijackers are like Dumbledore from the book. Harry, <laughs> yes. did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Yes. No, no, D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper's the, like that, yes. Oh, okay. D.B. Cooper's Richard Harris. Uh, and the, most of them are like... Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not Michael supposed Gamble. to yell at me. Okay, okay. <laughs> not this adaptation. Got it. We brought it back to Harry Potter. I miss we're Richard good. Harris. Yeah, we're good. D.B. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper's we're chill. Yeah. Most hijackers, not so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. then, so then he makes his demands. Yeah. So he sends a note through the stewardess to the, to the pilots. Okay, this is what I want. Four parachutes, $200,000. And what's interesting, he says negotiable American currency, uh, which is interesting because... What American says American currency. Exactly. Except for the fact that this is like password. Like he said it to the to the flight attendant, the flight attendant said it to the pilots, the pilot relayed right. it to the it's people. It's all eyewitness accounts yeah. because so, we don't have the note, right? By the way, yeah. and, and $200,000 back in 1971 is equivalent to $1.3 million Correct. in 2021. But also... That's a lot of dollars. Once again, what American doesn't say, I want 200000 cash. Yeah. Right, I need a negotiable well, American. Say, I think he did say like something about non-marked bills or something like that. Sure. Right? Yeah. So yeah, so four parachutes, two hundred thousand dollars, and the four parachutes were basically so his plan couldn't be foiled because if he asked for one parachute, they could give him the one parachute, but it would be a fake parachute. You know, they basically drop to your death. If he yeah. asked for four, but they don't know which one he's going to use, and, and, and if he's going to take a hostage, and so they're not going to take that chance. So he's yeah. covered. Yeah. He yeah. also asks for a fuel truck to be standing by in Seattle so they can mm-hmm. refuel. So that's his demands. That's all he wanted. That's all he yeah. wanted. You and know? The, and, and another interesting thing is she relays that to the cockpit so that they have to radio back to yeah, um, the, flight tower. the flight tower so they can uh, inform the local law enforcement and the FBI. Mm-hmm. So as she does that, she comes back and now he's wearing a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. So she saw Which is cool to do on an airplane. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. He wears sunglasses. <laughs> he does. That's his slogan. Yeah. I mean, who who wears a pair of sunglasses in an airplane, right? I mean, right. Well, back then, I it was well, the 70s. Maybe, you know? I feel like that's a theme now. It's just, it was the 70s. Oh, it's just like my wife says, if I wear sunglasses inside, the sun never sets on a cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Future's so bright, you got to wear shades. Exactly. Oh, crap, I got to start so. wearing sunglasses. <laughs> you really do. So then they said they, they contacted uh, the, the Northwest Orient's uh, company. The, yep. And the president the CEO. said, yep, president. he said, okay, we will pay that ransom. Yep. And they decided to get it all ready in uh, Seattle. Now imagine being another passenger on this flight, right? There were 35 the, other passengers. Yeah. No one was panicked about this because no one knew about it. They exactly. said there yeah. was minor mechanical difficulty. We're going to need to make a stop, but no one can get out but quite yet. But then they yet. circled Puget Sound for about two, two hours. hours. This yeah. must be a half hour flight. Right. 
That would have been very uncomfortable had it not been the 70s and they could all get really drunk and really smoky. Yeah. <laughs> and while they're circling, D.B. Cooper says to the flight attendant, hey, that looks like Tacoma down there. Yeah, he recognized yeah. He Tacoma. He recognized Tacoma. From the air. From the air. When it's starting to become dark. Yeah. So he's obviously somebody who's been in this area. He knows the area. Right. He knows what's what's down from it, from the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people can see it from the I have ground, a hard time. We have those Delta maps that says you're kind of here. You're yeah. over the ocean. Please don't die. Yeah. Yeah. Or like yeah. even when I'm flying into home, I'm like, oh, there's some mountains there. Maybe that's. Oh, no. no okay. There's there's the Salt Lake Temple. I know where we are. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, it's cringy to say, there's my house. Or like, or like, I know where we are, apparently. Wait, who do you say this to? That's the question. Apparently, you're not allowed to say that on an airplane. That's a real Like boomer. out loud to everyone it's, on the yeah, plane? It's like a boomer thing to do. I can see my house. Oh, look, down there. It's I know so where we fun, are. It's so fun, though. <laughs> it sounds like that? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. look, I know where we are. Yeah. And as they're, as they're waiting to, to, to land, he actually orders a second bourbon and soda, and he pays his drink tab, and even at, says to the, Tina Mucklow, another, yeah. another flight attendant, he asked her to keep the change. Like... Yeah. This is not a guy that's being rude. And, yeah, what and criminal pays the tab? Is he like yeah. this? Is like a shaken, not stirred kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, also, he reassured her. Mm-hmm. She started to break down a little bit, and he reassured her. So this isn't your typical garden variety type. Yeah. No, quote unquote terrorist, right? Yeah. Well, and she says, "Do you have a grudge against the airline?" And he replied, "I don't have a grudge against your airline, miss. I just have a grudge." Yeah. Yeah. You're like oh, okay. Uh, no, who knows? Oh, no. <laughs> I, maybe he did have a grudge against the airline. Maybe it was a grudge against the federal government. Sure. Maybe it was just, hey, I want to stick it to the man. Yeah. Right? But the FBI gets the money ready. They get 10,000 unmarked $20 bills. That the serial numbers start with the letter L. Hmm. And they actually microfilmed each one of these $10,000 bills. So they have record of all the money they gave him. So they just scanned yeah. every single one. Hmm. And so then they, they were going to give him some like professional military parachutes. And he said, no, no, no. I want four civilian parachutes. Hmm. Yeah. And they got him from a local skydiving school. Yep. And he ended up... Well, I mean, we know he jumped out of the plane. That's that's yeah. not a spoiler. Wait, that's going to happen here in a sec. Are they packed by students? Well, they're just... <laughs> I need students. They don't, they don't automatically open like the military one. It's like you have to manually pull the ripcord. Yeah, so like yeah. a lot of the paratroopers, like especially World War II, they would hook on to a, yeah. a, a line, and then as soon as they jumped out, the chute would open. Uh-huh. These ones, you actually have to clear the plane that he wanted pull the ripcord, and then it would open. Um. And something interesting, though, is that he chose the older of the two primary parachutes that were given there. He selected one that was kind of for classes. It was kind of a dummy one where the main chute would open, but like the reserve chute was actually sewn shut. So it's like he knew how to parachute, but maybe he didn't, didn't know everything about parachuting. Like he, wasn't, he wasn't great at it. He wasn't a professional. Risk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of those things where it's like people say, oh yeah, he was a professional paratrooper. And it's like, or was he? Did he just no kind of basics of it, but didn't know how to look for a dummy parachute. Yeah. yeah. So basically they're on the runway at this point, yeah, right? Yeah. And so he, they, they he like, actually, like, t- yeah, he actually tells the, the pilot to go to a, a, a really lit part of the runway. Cause they land in Seattle. Exactly. Yeah. They've landed in Seattle. They, they left Portland. They landed in Seattle. Well, at part of the runway, and then he has them close all the curtains. Yep. So because, they can't snipe him. Yep. Don't want any police snipers, which is interesting because most people, if you're in that type of situation, you're probably not thinking, hey, close all the windows right. so I don't get sniped, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy has thought this through. Totally. Yeah. He's thought this through. Mm-hmm. This isn't something he just woke up one day and went, ah, I I'm think try I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. See, see what I happens. need exactly $200,000. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. So he's thought this out. So, anyways. Once he gets all the, the ransom money mm-hmm. and they're trying to fuel the trucks, it's, which is interesting because it takes them three times before they actually are, uh, when they start or when they finish fueling the airplane. Mm-hmm. He seemed to know how much long it was supposed exactly. to take. Exactly. And then he got bugged that it took 
yeah, longer he, than it was supposed he to. He says, why is this taking so long? So yeah. obviously he knows... He yeah, knows, they're stalling. Yeah, some, yeah, some yeah. About he's trying to plane. figure out... He's like, okay, we need to get out of here. I, I'm not sitting on the ground anymore. So, But anyways, they, once he gets all his demands met, he, then he releases the passengers. All and passengers, just like yeah. what Kent was saying, they didn't know anything really was going on. Right. A lot of them even said in their testimony and they're after, in, they're like... I didn't know this yeah. was happening until they pulled us off the Reporters plane. Reporters like crowd them when they come off the, off the, the plane. They're like, uh, what? What's happening? Yeah. yeah, I actually wonder if they actually expected to get the passengers that early because a lot of people who do hijackings, yeah. like they're just horrible people and will keep the passengers for longer. Yeah. Yeah. He did, however, keep some people on the plane. Sure. Except a couple of the pilots. Enough people to uh, fly the plane. A flight attendant. Yes. And that was basically it. Yeah, and him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, he stayed on the plane. <laughs> and then he says, take me to Mexico City. So the, they go to take off, right? And it, obviously, the he says, well, let's go to Mexico City. Well, what he does is he asks the pilot to, as they take off, make the flaps 15 degrees. You got to keep your airspeed at a certain... Um, at 100 certain, knots. Yep, 100 knots or... 115 miles, miles per, per hour. hour. Yeah. And also keep it at 10,000 feet. Yeah. And depressurize the cabin. Sounds like he knows a lot about planes. Yeah, that's kind or of... Or at least he knows how to not die. Yeah. Or what's the safest way to right. jump out right yeah. obviously we know he's not going to mexico city no yeah. but the, the pilots tell him hey we don't have enough fuel we're yeah. not going to get to mexico city so we got to make a stop somewhere and so they agree upon reno reno tahoe right. airport yeah and as they're taking off or, or yeah taking off they're discussing about this they get to a certain point where db cooper's like okay the stewardess mucklow i need you to go into the cabin and stay or in the, the cockpit, cockpit yeah and, and stay there with the with the pilots now it's interesting and i wonder if he knew about this he had to have with his all of his expertise it sounds like they're being tailed yeah they yeah. got two uh f-106 fighter aircrafts following mm -hmm. this plane uh one above it and one below out of the view so he knew at least one he should have known at least one plane was following right. him which uh, is interesting yeah you, you would think he would see it. yeah but and, but here's the thing you think they see something too but yeah. those those fighter pilots did nothing they saw nothing but it was also dark and well, stormy. Well, we're getting there. Yeah. So what's interesting about those pilots, though, is the plane is going so slow that those pilots can't, those fighter pilots can't stay with the plane because the plane is going so slow. So they oh. have to continue to come back around. Like he circles. knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He knew exactly what he's doing. So they continually have to come back around and look at the plane and then, and then go up forward and then come back around. But anyway, so she goes into the cockpit. And as she looks back, she sees DB grabbing one of the parachutes and actually cutting the paracord on one of the parachutes. Which is the ropes that go up to like the, the parachute. Exactly. From the harness to the parachute, it's exactly. the ropes up there. Yeah. yeah. And he starts to put stuff around his waist. We assume it's probably the money. Yeah, he's right. probably securing because it. Because it's 20 pounds. Yeah, it's about yes. 20 pounds. And what's interesting about that is they didn't give him a knapsack full of money. They just gave him like a white bag. It doesn't even have handles. It's not even closed. Oh, really? Yeah, he didn't get the knapsack he asked for. Mm -hmm. So he was already kind of... He's got a bug. He's like, I gotta yeah. cut the cords yeah. now. So now he's got to figure out how to attach this to him as he jumps. Because obviously right. he doesn't want to lose the money because that's why he's there. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Then but, at approximately 8 p.m., uh, they get a, a, a like an alarm, a notice that the aft air stair apparatus had been activated. Meaning, uh, on this plane, the way it was designed, there's like a rear staircase that comes right out of the tail, just kind of lowers down. And they got a, a kind of a notice saying, "Oh, that's open." And then they get on the intercom and say, "Hey, do you need any help?" And all he says is, "No." And that's it. 
Yeah. Last thing he said. Last thing we ever hear of D.B. Cooper, at least anything said. Anyways. Right. Yeah. So, which is interesting. Those aft stairs, they, that's, how, that's how the passengers get on and off the airplane. Mm-hmm. It's not something off to the side like, mm-hmm. like nowadays. Well, because if, if, if this would have been a plane where there was a, a door on the side and he jumped out, that would have been probably bad because one yeah. of the turbines could have got him. Yeah. And is it just like the movies when there's like you open a door on the side, everyone gets sucked out? Well, no, because he did Remember, he said, sure. don't pressurize the, the cabin. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, like you said, he knows what he's doing. And this specific plane has that aft stairs because mm-hmm. there's only a couple planes that actually do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, if you jump off the side, you're going to r- fall right into the Turbines. into the engines. Yeah. So these engines are high enough. So if he jumps out, he's not going to. So he picked a 727 specifically because of how it was designed. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Once again. He probably knew something about planes. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, so like you said, at 8, 10 p.m., they they get that warning light. It goes down. All of a sudden, uh, what they call a pressure jump or bump, and it pops up. The back of the tailplane pops up, and they are like, hey, you know, what's what's going on here? Sure. You know, what's going on? So by the time they figure it out, they're probably already on their descent back in down into Reno. Mm-hmm. And they figured that he probably had jumped, but they weren't sure. Yeah. Because I mean, they, the for parachute, the, after, uh, the stairs open in the back. You got to know something's going on. Yeah. They said they felt like the air pressure changed, like their ears popped. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, here's what I find interesting. The aft light, where the, the, the light flashed in the cockpit at 8 p.m. And then at 8.13 is when they had that sudden upward movement on the tail. And so I'm like, did he, was he just kind of pumping himself up for 13 minutes? Like, okay, okay, Dan, you can do this. Why are they calling me DB? I don't know. But Dan, <laughs> you can do this. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because he, probably what happened is that bump is actually him jumping off yeah. and then that stairwell actually popping up and hitting the plane and yeah. then coming back mm-hmm. down. So, yeah. so obviously they know something happened. He did something with the stairs. And I don't think they quite know that he actually, quote unquote, jumped yet. Yeah. But it, then they taxi into Reno. Course. Which I, I hated Wikipedia, which it is the source of knowledge and truth. But it says, like, at some point between 10 o'clock and 11.30 p.m., the 727 landed. I'm <laughs> I like, know. you got everything down to the minute Honestly. except for the landing in the airport? That's a big time gap. That's an hour and a half. Yeah. So they land at Reno. And as far as the law enforcement and FBI are concerned, they still think he's on the plane. Mm, yeah. They think because the jets did not see anyone jump off the plane. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's dark. It's right. stormy. Yeah. I mean, the chances of seeing a guy in a that's black thing suit Loki jumping got completely off, wrong. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was a bright sunny day when he jumped. Yeah. <laughs> but they land, and so law enforcement thinks he's still on the plane. He's they with a, with a live bomb. By yeah, the way. with a yes. bomb. Yeah. That's why they yeah, don't forget about the bomb. Yeah, they think he, the bomb's still there. So. The captain actually comes out and says, hey, he's not here. So mm-hmm. they jump on the plane. They do a clean sweep. Yeah. Figure out he's not there. The bomb's not there. So, okay, now what do we do? Yeah. Then they did start investigating. They found 66 uh, unidentified fingerprints aboard the airliner. Mm-hmm. They found uh, Cooper's black clip-on tie, his tie clip. Isn't that so cool? He just took off the tie. He's like... Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to fly with him. All the things he left. Yeah. Yes. Uh, cigarette butts. Eight and cigarette butts. And two Smoked of the four lot. parachutes. And uh, they also found uh, the opened parachute with the shroud lines cut as so well. So it's yeah. interesting because you think, oh, he jumped off the plane. He has a parachute. He's good, right? He's escaped. This is the night before Thanksgiving, Washington State. It was 20 degrees Fahrenheit. He jumped at 10,000 feet. Yeah. With no like breathing apparatus. No helmet. No helmet. He's wearing a loafers. Yeah. And a suit <laughs> you know, with no tie. And so it's very difficult to for anyone to survive that. And he's landing in the uh, forested area 
maybe near Mount St. Helens. So yeah. what they said was in the initial guesstimates of where he landed, they said he was over uh, southwestern Washington, maybe near the southernmost outreach of Mount St. Helens. But then, after further investigation, they realized the landing zone was in that original landing zone was inaccurate and was probably near the drainage area of the Washougal Washougal River. Washougal Washougal River. They actually spent so much time searching this one area, and then they kind of reevaluated. And and I think they were searching for his body and for the parachute. That something they were looking for a hole in the ground because I think they suspected him to be dead. They searched on foot. They searched, uh, they did an aerial thing, kind of flew over the, the, the forest area. Yeah. And uh, then they also did, uh, they submarine. dragged Lake Merwin. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like yep. Down at the bottom of the lake there, just yeah. to see if anything was in there. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this guy who has disappeared. Yeah. Nobody knows where he went. I mean, you would think within a day or two. It's like he ditched his parachute or anything like yeah. that. He's you got $200,000 to spend. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you think, like Ken said, you think there's a hole in the ground somewhere. Yeah. And he's just laying in it, right? Yeah. So there, who knows w- what's going on now? I mean, it's just complete bedlam. And as far as the FBI is concerned, he died on impact. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that... that By the way, if there's a conspiracy part of the story, I think it involves the FBI. <laughs> yeah. Because the local authorities are like, oh, we're going to solve this. The FBI kind of got in everyone's way. Well, they, they, they... Throughout. I'm assuming they got really annoyed with all the people talking about D.B. Cooper and giving him tips. Well, because people just start volunteering, obviously, to search yeah. for him and then search for the money because if we want to talk about the reward, there was that involved, too. They said 15% of the of the ransom like, would be given to someone who came so, to Some women were searching the area and they found a skeleton in an abandoned structure. Yep. It's a very sad story, but it turned out to be a teenage girl who'd been abducted and murdered several weeks before. Yeah. And no one knew, knew where she was, but because they were looking for Dan Cooper... They found her. Dan. Yeah. Are you on a Dan basis with him now? Well, Juice and Dan. It's fine. <laughs> but but Kent, Juice, and Zach. If the, cigarette, <laughs> if the cigarette butts were left on the plane, wouldn't modern science be able to extrapolate some DNA from those cigarette butts? Conspiracy. The cigarette butts are Dis- gone. Disappeared. Yeah, they, they disappeared from they evidence. Are. They don't know where they are. And I'm like, you had eight cigarette butts and you lost all of them? Right. Yeah. Not only that, but the, the cup that he drank the bourbon from... They actually picked it up and mixed it in with all the other cups from all the other passengers. <sighs> so not only hey, that, those are good flight attendants right there. That's <laughs> very prompt service. Hey, when you're under duress, anything can happen. Sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so they lose that. They so lost that. Anything that really has any DNA on it, except for the tie, the tie. is now gone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, some people, by the way, say that the, the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens may have covered up where he was. Like just, the, I mean, this is 1971, yeah. so obviously this is like nine years after that, but still. It could be there was an area where he was, and there was that, you know, D.B. Cooper-shaped hole in the ground. Feels like an excuse. But I don't know. That was a big eruption. Know, yeah, there was a big eruption so much so. I talked to my parents about that. They, you know, here in Utah, you could, ash would fall from the sky. Wow. I yeah. mean, that, it's just crazy to think about that. Yeah. yeah. The U.S. Attorney General, they released the serial numbers of all the money, and they're like, just keep an eye out for it. Just keep an eye for any money. Do you think that was a mistake? Uh, well, uh, there was some people who actually printed some counterfeit $20, $20 bills yeah. and put the serial numbers on there, and they got $30,000 from a newsroom reporter because they said the end for information had proof of the bills, and it turned to be a fake. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing is, like, any time they're talking about a crime that someone got away with, other people are going to get the inspiration. Yeah. yeah. And there were a ton of copycats in the years oh, following. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to talk about one more thing that I found interesting. Mm. So this is 1971 was when this all happened. Yeah. Uh, seven years later, in 1978, uh, a hunter... Uh, who was uh, hunt, who was a, near logging road uh, near Castle Rock, which is mm-hmm. in the basic flight path of 307, found a, a placard printed with instructions for lowering the aft stairs of a 727, which once again, people flocked to the area and all started searching, yeah. but nothing. Gold rush. Yeah. yeah. 
Because yeah. any, anytime anyone gets any sort of evidence, like this might be where D.B. Cooper landed, everyone flocks there and starts searching. Mm-hmm. Goes crazy. Digging holes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about an eight-year-old boy, shall we? Yeah. So you got Mr. Brian Ingram. Yes. And uh, him and his father in 1980, February of 1980, mm-hmm. are on a beach in uh, just outside of Vancouver, Washington. Right on the Columbia River there. Exactly. And this is miles away from what their supposed yeah. drop zone they think he landed. And as they're digging and building a fire, this Brian Ingram finds money. Money hidden in the sand. Like as he's raking it, it kind of comes up. Yeah, yeah like yeah. 5800 bucks, right? Yeah, $5,800. Yeah, $5,800. All 20s. Disintegrated bills. Like these, yeah. are, these are in poor shape. Yeah, it looks like these have been here for a while. Do you think they'd been washed up and then ended up in the sand? I don't think they did. Do you think I he think buried them on purpose? Somebody deliberately buried uh, them there. Except... They did have the Army Corps engineers yep. investigate it, and they said they had been deposited by river action rather than being deliberately buried. They That's had, what they say. But what, another interesting thing is, is the Army Corps of Engineers also dredged that river in 1974. And didn't find anything? And didn't, well, there wasn't anything there. So when they found the money, they actually dug deeper to see if they could find more money, and they found where they dredged. So the money was actually on top of where the dredging was mm. that the Army Corps of Engineers did in 1974. Well, and it's also weird because the bills are disintegrated, but they're still, uh, they're, some were still bundled in the rubber bands. Yeah. And you'd think that would have disintegrated yeah. longer before that. Oh, yeah. And it's just weird because I don't think he needed to throw anyone off its trail because it had been nearly 10 years yeah but why are they there yeah, yeah. that's the big question yeah. yeah and and so they did this whole i'm, I'm not getting to the science of it but one thing i found fascinating is the fact that they said due to science i'm just gonna put that in quotes there because i can't explain it but they said they were not submerged in the river or buried dry at the time of the hijacking in 1971 hmm. so if it's not buried in the ground and if it's not in the water where were they during that time in fact they did studies and said the money based on what was in there, the dye atoms that were in there. They said there they it was in the spring, so at, the money entered the water at least several months after the hijacking. So for some reason, the money wasn't in the water for a couple months, and then it got in the water, but I don't know. I, yeah. it, it's confusing to me. I, I don't understand how the money got there. Well, that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. I, I, how do you explain it? The more you get into it, the more you become in, get more involved in the Cooper vortex. Yeah, the more it becomes more interesting. And being like, so let's go a little bit heck? deeper than juice. <laughs> uh, we talk a lot about comic books and comic book yeah. movies here. Um, what is a link of comic books to DB Cooper? So we have this French Canadian type comic book, and it's actually called. The Adventures of Dan Cooper, dun, dun, dun. who is a gentleman who is actually in the Royal Canadian Air Force, mm-hmm. and he actually jumps from airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite interesting that is this where DB or Dan Cooper gets his I moniker? Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, it's not like Dan Cooper is an uncommon name. No, you know? Well, that's the thing, though. I think the name was chosen, written down when he bought the ticket, Dan Cooper. Like an alias. Like when you book a hotel and you're a celebrity, I'm going to write Dan Cooper. You're going to write Bruce Wayne. I'll be. I'll definitely write Bruce Wayne. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, he's a real person. But no, I think this, whoever it is, whoever is the real Dan Cooper wrote Dan Cooper because of what this comic book series It's an was. interesting connection because he does yeah. do parachuting. Uh, he's, you know, kind of this, you know, super, not spy, but super uh, action He's like a 1940s character. basic American like a hero. He's kind of like a James Bond yeah. Yes. yeah, like a French-Canadian yeah. yes. James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's got Feels all sorts intimidating. <laughs> but he's got all <laughs> yeah. these connections, which is interesting because of all the comic books that he probably 
could have chosen, and it could have been that one. We don't know for sure, sure. but it, it's an interesting link. And then when we talked about the negotiable American currency mm-hmm. that he talks about, he could have been a foreigner or yes. a Canadian. Yeah, because I was going to say these these comics were never translated into English, as far as I know. So he had mm-hmm. to have sp- spoken French or at least you know mm-hmm. can- Canadian French. I'm just disappointed it wasn't Asterix <laughs> or uh, Tintin. You know? Asterix, yeah. Tintin, yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting because then that, that implies maybe he was Canadian. Like, yeah. there's all these things kind of pointing around to different people. They did say they did some tests on the tie, and they did find a partial DNA profile on the tie, but they couldn't say it's his. He They're sounds like he was polite on the airplane. Yeah. He could have been Canadian. Oh. Yeah. Show uh, for your Canadian show. <laughs> but they also found rare earth minerals like titanium in his tie as well, mm-hmm. which leads to a possibility maybe and there wasn't a lot of titanium like flying around in the 70s factories it's crazy 71 yeah it's factory specifically the boeing, boeing factory yes yep. so he may have worked for an airline boeing specifically and he knew a lot about boeing airplanes yeah yes yeah because these were boeing airplanes so for 45 years the fbi was investigating and then in 2016 they said we're closing the case this is no longer an active investigation uh, just because I think they were sick of, honestly, all the tips they were getting. Well, and what happened around 2016 is, the, I think it was History Channel. Yeah. Uh, they started running a documentary about D.B. Cooper. And I think the FBI, FBI is like, just cut it out. Like, yeah. we're not going to find this guy. It's been too long. Just no but one cares all anymore. the evidence is being released to the public now. A lot of pages are already out there. You can start digging already. Like you said earlier, Jake, the FBI's best guess, Cooper did not survive the jump. That's that they're saying. They're saying it was raining. It was cold. The landing area is wilderness. He... He didn't really know where he was going or what he was doing. And the ransom money just hasn't turned up. Only $5,800. Oh, by the way, fun find, by the way. Uh, so little uh, Brian was his name? Brian Ingram, Brian Ingram was his name? Yeah. He sold 15 bills at auction in, 20, in 2008 for $37,000. Yeah. You can still get them on eBay. They're out there, the Cooper bills? Yeah, you can, you can buy them. They're thousands of dollars, but right. you can still get them if you want them. I saw in a documentary. I'll use there's, Kent's card. There's a, yeah. yeah, right. There's a recent documentary on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. a four-episode series. Yeah. Uh, it's just okay. Yep, it's okay. I agree. Right? If you want kind of a, a very surface-level history, you can watch the first episode, and then you get kind of That's just, it. Because they get really hyper-focused on one suspect that we'll yeah. talk about. Yeah. But they show the Cooper Convention, yeah. where people will be like, I bought a bill, and they'll have it in like their, their casing and everything like that. People are so into this. Yeah. I mean, there's geeks for everything, right? And there's definitely a fandom for DB. Well, and, and like you said earlier, they've they had to change kind of the way the commercial aviation works, like with metal detectors and baggage searches and even paying for flights the same day mm-hmm. raises a red flag now because of DB Cooper and aircrafts actually got modified. They came up with something called a Cooper, Cooper vane. Yep. And it's a little latch, essentially, that prevents the stairs from being lowered while in flight. There's like a pressure thing of the air knocking it back specific because of DB Cooper. And he hasn't left the public uh, eye or I guess public mind sense mm-hmm. he pops up all the time. We were talking about it before the show, but in in TV shows like Prison Break and The Blacklist and News Radio and and Renegade and Leverage, Numbers, Thirty Rock, Loki, uh, they all yeah. have a DB Cooper reference or connection. And the movie like Without a Paddle, not a great movie, no, but it's all <laughs> it's about, about searching for for the money of DB yeah. Cooper because it's still out there somewhere and who would have known burt reynolds db cooper right? <laughs> i know well i think we all kind of knew that <laughs> so but we wanted to uh, kind of you know bring it back real quick to this point of suspects because there are thousands of people who have either been called db cooper or have set themselves they are db cooper it seems like most of them it's like a drunk family member was mad at their uncle or their cousin is like i'm gonna say you're db cooper it does or, or it's like hey they disappeared yeah. for like three days and then they came home and so i think they're db cooper yeah 
That's what all, a lot of these. And they are. probably did have a southern accent too. Yeah, they probably did. in Washington. Yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> but the thing, the things we know about these suspects, at least this is the kind of things that point to different people, is that they're familiar with the Seattle area. They knew uh, uh, Tacoma from the from the air is what mm-hmm. they mentioned. But also one thing that DB Cooper mentioned is he said that uh, the McCord Air Force Base was approximately 20 minutes drive from the Seattle Tacoma Airport. So he knew where this Air Force Base was, which most people wouldn't be able to say. Oh, that's 20 minutes away. Like, why would you use that as a point of reference? Uh, we talked about Dan Cooper, the, the French-Canadian uh, comic. And then we talked about he knew things about airplanes and airlines. He knew a lot of things, but maybe not. He wasn't completely in the know because we mentioned he picked the different parachute. So there's a lot of reasons it could point to different people. Well, the FBI is looking for military experience, skydiving, parachuting, everything that would lead to this guy. Yeah. And they, they put a lot through the ringer. I'll, I'll bring up one real quick, my first one. Yeah. yeah. Kenneth Peter Christensen, uh, born 1926, died in 1994. And this was kind of funny because kind of like what Kent said, he was watching a documentary in 2003. And as he was watching it, he became convinced that his brother Lyle was D.B. Cooper. His brother Lyle, who passed away about a, a decade before. So all of a sudden he's watching documentaries like, I think that's my brother. Well, he did serve in the army and he's a paratrooper, right? He was a paratrooper in the yeah. army. He was a mechanic for Northwest Orient, the airline that D.B. Okay. Cooper uh, the hijacked. He was also a flight attendant, and he was a purser, which is a chief flight attendant, based in Seattle. Which, to me, that's kind of like, that's the, the level of knowledge we're going for. He's not like an experienced, knows everything about planes and everything about uh, parachutes. He was also stationed in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska for four years. That's where right. Northwest Orient would, when they do their transit or trans-Pacific flights to yeah. Asia, they would stop there for refueling. So he knew exactly about how how this type of plane worked when it came to refueling and how how the aft stairs would work yep. and, and that type of thing. So yeah, that's also that. an, also another interesting tidbit. Well, and, and maybe the most, in my mind, condemning uh, bit of evidence is that the flight attendant, Schaefer, Schaffner, she told a reporter that the photos of Chris Jansen, because remember, this is like, you know, 2003. Yeah. The photos of him fit her memory of the hijacker's appearance more closely than any other suspect she'd looked at. But keep in mind, this is also 2003 when the hijacking occurred in 1971. And eyewitnesses' memory gets a little fuzzy after that point. Explain to me what they did with the statute of limitations, right? Because generally, he could not be held responsible for something, yeah. even if he came out and said, yeah, I'm D.B. Cooper, whoever yeah. he is. Yeah. Yeah, the statute of limitations went up in, uh, I believe it was 2006, I think. Which so is weird, though, from 71 to 2006. Yeah. So because there's something to do with aviation, right? Because mm-hmm. it was that kind of high-level crime that sky they could law. still... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sky law. Um, <laughs> but so they actually could hold them re- somewhat responsible still, yeah. even though it just becomes legend at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at this point, this guy's probably, if he is alive, sure. then he's probably at some old folks rest home or, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. or just, you know, bit the bullet from some other thing. But the reason, and that's the thing, the reason the FBI kind of ruled him out is because he was shorter than D.B. Cooper, was reportedly. Uh, he was 5'8". He was 150 pounds, so he was thinner than D.B. Cooper. And he had lighter skin than D.B. Cooper. Which yep. I'm like, he could have worn lifts and padding and makeup. Like, this this guy, I, I read this and I'm like, I think Lyle might have a point. It could have been his brother Kenneth. So Kenneth Peter Christensen is probably my prime suspect. Really? I, I, I agree with you. I think he's one of the prime ones. And it's interesting, too, because later on, they actually found a photo of him that was taken by a roommate of his where he walked in with a white bag and an attache case and had a... What? Had a, um, uh, this, what sounds like, a this sounds like, like a, a trench story. coat on. No, it, <laughs> it's true. They actually have the photograph. And it actually was in a photo album behind another photo. 
What? And, and this and was, he was like the exact this was age. like this was like three weeks after the hijacking. Why so as far have as they, they not? Why did they not arrest this guy? Uh, well, obviously he's. Well, but back then he lived till yeah, '94. He, he he wasn't a prime suspect until at least the early 2000s. I guess until and his he, brother pointed it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone else was like, oh, you know. So that's another interesting. Okay, Jake, do you have another suspect? Oh yeah, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Richard McCoy Jr. Yeah, he was one of the famous most copycats of DB Cooper. Yeah, because he he copycat. He did kind of the Literally same thing. He did almost the same thing. So this guy jumps on a plane from New Jersey to fly to L.A. Well, while they're in the air between New Jersey, he does the same thing. He passes a note, says, I want $500,000. Mm-hmm. For he inflation, because this was a year later. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got you to have some money, right? He does the same thing. I want to go up at a certain amount. He actually goes up to 15,000 feet, if I remember right, mm-hmm. and has the same type of plane, aft stairs, and does the same thing, which is interesting because he actually jumps out over Provo, Utah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because he, he was flying uh, He was flying to Colorado, was it? Yeah, they stopped in Denver to refuel. That's right. So they could go to L.A., yeah. and he jumps out over Provo, Utah. Yeah. So didn't know there was a Utah connection to D.B. Cooper, which is interesting because this guy actually was a Mormon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and he served he, in the Utah National Guard, too. He went to BYU. He did? He went to BYU. You can't trust him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Just needs the money because tuition's so expensive, right? <laughs> yeah. um, went it's to BYU and taught Sunday school in his local ward. So oh, wow. this is a, this is an interesting fellow, and he actually jumps out, survives. This is why they think DB Cooper may have survived because he he actually was higher and actually survives, and lands in a field, gets back to his home. What's interesting is he tells a friend of his before he does this what he's going to do. And this friend, as soon as he hears about it, says, oh, I know who that is. Calls the FBI, turns him in. Yeah. <laughs> Some friend. He was probably a Utah fan. Yeah. So <laughs> the FBI catches up with him at his house. He's there with his wife, two kids. They find the money in the closet mm. and take him in. And he's arrested for, for hijacking. But then two years later, the guy escapes from the, the Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. And That's pretty cool. By yeah. crashing a garbage <laughs> truck through the gate. And then they track him down. It, it kind of has it has a sad ending. Yeah. Because yeah. they track him down three minutes later in Virginia Beach and he was he's killed in a shootout with FBI agents. Yeah. And it's interesting because that FBI agent that did shoot him came out later and said, I shot DB Cooper. Oh, and he knew it. Yeah. Yeah. He but, he was he was convinced that but, Richard but McCoy the FBI Jr. was but said no. There's credible, credible evidence that he was in Las Vegas on the day of the Portland hijacking and that he was at Utah the day after having Thanksgiving dinner with his family. You can't be in Utah and Seattle at the same time. Yeah. So but hey, you know, it's all circumstantial, right? Sure. I mean I think every one of these suspects is circumstantial, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously because we don't know who it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to talk about Barbara Dayton. <laughs> Why? Barbara Dayton, born 1926, died 2002, born Robert Dayton, and served as a merchant marine in the Army during World War II. Uh, She underwent gender reassignment surgery in 1969. Now, remember, that's two years before the hijacking. She actually came forward and said, I am D.B. Cooper, right? She said, I did the hijacking. I presented myself as a man in order to get back at the airline industry and the FAA who prevented me from becoming an airplane pilot. So out of anger that she didn't get a job, for some reason, she wanted to be held in responsible for it. But she later recanted, recanted the claim when she realized that charges could still be brought. Yeah. It's like when <laughs> right? she realized she'd like, get in trouble, she's like, no, convenient. we're good, right? We're good. I'm and good. Like, no, you're going to go to jail. And so, and obviously she didn't match the uh, description whatsoever. No. And she had no, there's no evidence actually linking her to the crime. Right. 
I'm going to bring up one pretty popular on the Netflix documentary. It's the one they brought up is oh, Robert yeah. Rackstraw. Yeah. Uh, he uh, lived from, he was born in 1943 and he actually passed away in 2019. He's a retired pilot and ex-convict who served on army helicopter crew and, and he was in the Vietnam War. And he, I mean, he had a really kind of weird history where yeah. he, one time he was flying a plane and then called in that he was going to crash. He didn't crash. He just, he landed the plane somewhere and started repainting it and tried to fake his death, exactly, fake, fake a plane crash. He may have killed his father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. he was acquitted for murder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The uh, 70s were a rough time for this dude. <laughs> 70s, For everyone. Man. Yeah. But then he actually, one of the reasons they connected to him is because, I mean, he obviously has a criminal history, but also his physical resemblance yep. was very close to Cooper, uh, and he has the parachute training and the criminal record. But, I mean, he was only 28 in 1971. Yeah. So he was granted. Much though, remember, like back then, a twenty-year-old could look fifty. At least in the movies, yeah, right. <laughs> Those high school kids are at least thirty. <laughs> yeah, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> uh, but and no direct involvement could be found. He's. In the I actually felt really bad for the guy in Me the too. documentary series. I mean, here's the thing: he's he's kind of a jerk. Like you watch those interviews, well, and they're like, "Will you be Cooper?" And he's like, "Maybe." He's I am. playing Maybe coy. I think it's for the money. Yeah, but they 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 harass him on that on the Netflix documentary. These yeah. documentary makers are like harassing him. I'm like, leave leave the guy alone. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. If he's well, flying straight now, just leave him alone. Well, I think a lot of these suspects. I think some of them enjoyed being associated with DB Cooper. Right. Well, because it's cool. Oh yeah, because a lot of people think DB Cooper is a hero. Like yeah, he stuck like it to the hero. man. Yeah, he stuck it to the man. And it didn't hurt anybody. And didn't hurt anybody. I mean, yeah. w- w- what's a better scenario, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, yeah, he threatened to blow up a plane or a plane. Scared, scared <laughs> of fly, a couple flight attendants, the yeah. pilots, but but as far as we know, it was a it was a dud. So I feel like the real DB Cooper, the real Dan Cooper, whoever whatever his name is, would never tell anyone because the legend is too good. I but, feel like you would never point, want to tell someone, not even deathbed confession. At some point, you'd want to like pull that ripcord, huh, pun intended, and sure. be like, I am D.B. Cooper. I am Spartacus. But everyone had done it at that point. Who's going to believe it? I, I don't know. I think because the legend some, is better than he'd have finding to pull, out who the person actually is. He'd have to pull out like, the money with it and be like, I'm D.B. Cooper. Sure. Ha ha. Yeah, good luck finding the money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I found out something. If you rearrange the letters. Oh, no. In Dan Cooper. Because remember, he's not D.B. Cooper. He's Dan Cooper. Right. You get Draco. Nope. So obviously, D.B. <laughs> Cooper is James Potter, Harry Potter's father, who would fit Wait, the profile. why would James Potter say that to Draco? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the timeline doesn't seem to fit. He's saying Draco, nope, because he knows one day Lucius Malfoy is going to have a kid named Draco. And he's like, Draco, <laughs> nope. It's not Lucius? No, it's not, it's not Lucius, because he doesn't want to be Draco. He doesn't want his, his son to be Draco. Therefore, James Potter is... something he says. Draco, nope. Hey, we brought it back to Harry Potter before I wanted to do it again. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is he could have he, he could have uh, actually got the money, started his own internet site, and just called it IMDB. Ah, <laughs> he probably did. T.B. <laughs> Cooper is hiding in IMDB. I knew it. That's awesome. Yeah. Conspiracy uh, theory right there. Uh, sure. You know, just opinion. Any other suspects you guys want to bring up? There's a few other ones, but none of them are... Those are the main ones, Yeah, pretty much. I mean, those are the ones that get the most pub. They're the ones that kind of yeah, have it, it's more. hard to say because a lot of people just, like we said, claim to be it. Like, there's this yeah. guy named Walter Recca. Yeah. He died in 2014. He was a military paratrooper, intelligence operative. And after his death, he uh, had these, I think it was six recorded phone calls with his friend where he confessed everything to the whole crime and said, yeah. after my death, you can give these to the cops, but yeah. not until yeah. I die. Yeah. Well, there was like a surge of copycats. Like there were sure. 15 hijackings, I think, in 1972 trying to do the same basic thing. None yeah. of them were successful. Yeah. And that just made airports 
have even more security. Yeah. Of course. I mean, and yeah, this, this isn't a suspect. It's a copycat I want to bring up. Do you guys know Glenn K. Tripp? Mm. I've heard of him. Yeah. So, so Glenn Tripp, he hijacked Northwest Flight 608 at the Seattle Tacoma Airport. So same airline, same basic area. He demanded $600,000, two parachutes, and the assassination of his boss. <laughs> so he's got a, a kind of, he's like, uh, kind he of the buried same. the lead there. Yeah. <laughs> but then here, here's my favorite part, though. Sure. My favorite part is this. A flight attendant actually slipped some Valium into his drink and gave it to him. And so he, and there was a 10 hour standoff. So he wasn't thinking clearly or he just got frustrated, but he reduced his demands after the 10 hour standoff to three cheeseburgers <laughs> and a vehicle to escape, a ground vehicle Look, to escape. Valium gives you the munchies. <laughs> I guess. You know? Yeah. Uh, but then, so he was quickly apprehended at that time. And then later he tried to hijack the same flight on uh. January 21st. And. He ended up, uh, this time he demanded to be flown to Afghanistan. And sadly, uh, when he was landed in Portland, he was actually shot and killed. Sure. Mm. Uh, but I just, this guy is so weird where he's like, give me $600,000 or three cheeseburgers and I'm going to try this again. <laughs> so Glenn Tripp. But where were they from? That's what I want to know. Three cheeseburgers? Yeah. What three cheeseburgers are worth $600,000 to you? I get one of each. Do a little taste test there. Yeah? Burger King, Wendy's, tier one, McDonald's. one, two, three sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. You're thinking bacon cell. Right <laughs> bacon cell hi- hijacking? Bacon cell hijacking? <laughs> no? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now juice. <laughs> juice. <laughs> it's going to keep going. Go so for it. So Joel kind of gave me a present in this episode, but not yet. Not yet. We're going to end. A present? You just, this, is, this counts as one of yours. No, it does not. It, we're going to end with a gift, right? We're going yeah. to do some movie pitches for okay. D.B. Cooper. Okay. But before we get to that, I just kind of want to get our takes on this. We talked about the mystery, him disappearing, how difficult it would have been to survive. I want to know, did he survive? So what, what do we think yeah, happened? Like, what do we what think do actually, actually happened? happened? Yeah, I, I think he survived. I think he, he made it out. Granted, the conditions weren't great, but I think he made it. I mean, how do you explain the money that the eight-year-old boy found? I have a little eight explanation years, Nine years later, what's your explanation? I don't think he survived. Okay, so let me put this in these terms. I think he landed, but I think he got severely injured and then exposure to the elements, and he did not survive getting out of the forest where he was at. The, I think His may, bones are there somewhere. I think he may have busted a leg. I think he may have broken something, like just not, he'd have been in bad shape when he landed and then he couldn't get out and he passed away somewhere in the wilderness and the money's just out there somewhere. And I do think though, the case was open somehow and animals maybe got like into it. Like a bobcat? It. Yeah. Like a smart um, cougar. Uh, or uh, Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot. Bigfoot. There is a movie. Uh, it's up in the Northwest. There is a movie, Sasquatch versus D.B. Cooper. No. Stop yeah. it right now. Yeah, D.B. Cooper, Sasquatch. Are you serious? Yeah. Is this a Sci-Fi Channel original? Guys, uh, I'm not guys sure. Sasquatch is D.B. Cooper. <laughs> He's he covered in hair. He's just been out there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. the whole time. No, but I, I, that's what I think. I, th- I think because where... Where did the rest of the money go? Why did he never spend it? Why did he never confess? You're wrong, though. And I'm going to tell you why you're 100% wrong. Actually, I have no idea. But um, (laughs) everything about this was so organized. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Including the fact that I think someone found part of a parachute strap 20 years later. But that was never directly linked to him. Exactly. No one really found anything. There was some money found. Everything was so organized. And he disappeared. And I think he had it planned from the beginning. He had to know the weather conditions would be bad that night. And everyone would think that he died. Because well, he was like so he... experienced. He knew exactly what he was doing from beginning to end. I think he had somebody helping him. When he jumped, yeah. When he jumped out, I'm sure somebody was waiting down below somewhere. He did wait 13 minutes so, to jump. Yep. You know, uh, in Top Gun Maverick, when Tom Cruise survived the Mach 10 flight, 
uh, when the ship exploded. He, Spoiler alert for he, the he, first he, five minutes. He, he shouldn't have survived, but that's like straight up D.B. Cooper right there. Mm. You couldn't use Somehow, Batman. He survived. <laughs> and I'm sure he walked into some cafe and said, I need a drink of water. Right? Actually, some cops believe he did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I don't know. I, I can go either way, but just... Like, I don't think he's alive now, right? No, the, the truth is, if, if he were alive, he'd be in his 90s. Yes. Yeah. And who knows if he's still alive. So it's like, even if you did survive and was out there, would he still be alive today? But to know... Years, decades later. This is definitely one of the I laser discs. I'm checking this, out when I get this to is, heaven. This, is, yeah. why, this yeah. is why he's a legend. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things you could go back and forth. We could debate this for hours. Yeah. But and we're not going to. You're just not going to get some. But we're not but, going to because, I, like I said, uh, Zach, having heard this story for the first time. Yeah. Is he alive? No. I, I mean, not, not now. Did he survive? Did he the survive? Fight? Yeah. He did. he did. It wasn't about the money. I don't think so either. It was about doing it. Yes. You think the money so? didn't matter. You yeah. think the money didn't matter? I yeah. think it's in your face. This is this is a, Stick it's it to this the is a, yeah. an adrenaline junkie. This is a, a control freak. This is a planner. He just but wanted why to do it. Two hundred thousand dollars. That seems like a specific amount. You know what I mean? Like because exactly. that's why not one hundred thousand dollars. Noteworthy. It's newsworthy. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's a nice round number. It's over a million dollars at this 30 point. Years. Yeah. He's like, I yeah. bet you with inflation, that's going to be a million dollars. Well, they talked about this on a podcast in twenty twenty two. Guys, what if he's listening right now? What's up, Dan? <laughs> but uh, no, I, I decided to put a little bacon cell spin on this here at the end. Yeah. And I uh, gave Kent, I let Kent redeem one of his pitch meetings. No, you did not. No. This is a gift. Uh, how many do you have left? I still have one. This counts. No, it doesn't. Um, nope. But what we're going to do is we're going to pitch our ideas for a D.B. Cooper movie. Not the whole thing, because you know the story. We've yeah. now gone through the entire story. But more the ending of the story. Where does the story go? So wait, do we have to do like a, a, a sympathetic live action Disney villain movie about D.B. Yeah, we're getting his backstory and learn that he was wronged. Oh. And so all the bad is forgiven. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love movie pitches so much. I didn't have enough time because I was so busy just reading articles about D.B. Cooper <laughs> watching documentaries this week. And so yeah. honestly, the pitch became secondary because I wanted to find out who he is. But let's talk about a fictionalized version because, yes, I picture like an Oscar winning type movie. Okay. Who is D.B. Cooper? It's a question that police, the FBI and conspiracy theorists have wondered about for decades. It's time to see who the suspects are and how they could have possibly pulled off the only aviation hijacking in America's history. Steven Spielberg presents oh. D.B. Cooper dropping this Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, I see the poster now. This is where it gets a little complicated, right? And I chose Steven Spielberg. He's like an obvious director. I think he needs a win. Like he hasn't had like a really great movie in a really long time. You guys. I know. Yes. What if Steven Spielberg is D.B. Cooper? <laughs> He funded his first movie with he the did. 200000 He did. He funded Duel with that 200000 <laughs> Who would pay for when that? When did Duel come out? Was that se- was that 72? So let's get to the twist because my pitches always need a twist. It's 71. It's all connected. Stop it. It is not really. Oh, no. It was, it was, it, this happened before the hijacking. Okay. <laughs> it was November 20th. Steven Spielberg is the director. He's, a com- he's compiled this entire movie because six unique directors joined to depict their vision of several unique suspects. Each director presents the background of each person of interest. So this is kind of like they're interviewing FBI agents or eyewitnesses or whatever, and they're like, tell us who you think it is. And then a director will uh, depict what happens in this person's background during the hijacking and after the hijacking. Mm. And so basically by six auteurs, 
are basically trying to convince the audience. And this is like an anthology movie, Mm -hmm. but packed into one. So everyone has about 20 minutes to tell their story. And granted, there will be some unique splicing and editing because it will start off with a hijacking and then stop at a certain point. And then it will tell someone's story. And it'll go to the Tarantino part. Exactly. And then it'll go into the Wes Anderson part. So the directors of this one are uh, Brad Bird. He'll be directing the Dan Cooper comic book movie, which will be spliced throughout the movie. Okay. Uh, Dan Cooper will be voiced by John Hamm because, I mean, come on, yeah. super handsome. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, who directed Point Break, yeah. I think is very applicable here. Great director. And nothing else. Oh, Just stop Break. that right now. So Dan, Co- Dan Cooper's like, hey, give me that money back when you get back. He's not coming back. Tie off, jump out the plane. Her D.B. Cooper is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Of course. Uh, it fits yeah. the age yep. and the look and everything like that. They're casting all the handsome He's a little too handsome, but you know. Uh, is Dave, he 40? David Fincher, who's not David Lynch, he'll jump in to direct Edward Norton as D.B. Cooper. Okay. Taylor Sheridan, he'll direct Dan Stevens from yeah. Downton Abbey. Yeah. And M. Night Shyamalan will join the fold, and he'll direct Jamie Bell, Billy Elliot himself. But then it's Steven Spielberg will basically compile these edit them together, be the final say, and of course it's going to end on some sort of twist. This movie will never tell you who D.B. Cooper is. Or kind of put all the stories out there and be like... But it's going to be like a big true crime movie where you say, I like that person's story, or this one's more convincing, and then end it with a mystery. Maybe D.B. Cooper kind of knowing that all these stories are being told and What if D.B. Cooper is the friends we made along the way? Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) That's so tender. All right, so that's my pitch. That's good. Yeah. So it's basically to tell all the the, the suspects we talked about. It's six different styles. But the suspects we talked about and telling all their stories would be like, you military history. And at the end, Steven Spielberg goes, you decide. And and every director will like, imagine M. Night Shyamalan telling the story of the hijacking compared to like a Tarantino, for example. Mm. Yeah. I think it'd be really fun to see. I think so too. I'd watch that movie. All right. Lit. Is it like a vantage you. point type? Yeah, type yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, where it yes. kind of rewinds and tells yeah. the story again yeah. from a different point. And yeah. then you can just laugh when one starts. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Precisely. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, Juice, <laughs> nice. you're next. <laughs> Jake. Well, I don't have quite the, quite the nice pitch like Kent has. I look at it as a D.B. Cooper is not necessarily somebody who's just out to get some money, but there's a reason why he has the money mm-hmm. or why it. he's trying to get the money. Okay. He's a former CIA agent where his family's been kidnapped by Russian loyalists. Oh. <laughs> and, oh. and he's got to be able to buy them back. And this is the best way without killing anybody to be able to get He didn't harm that. anybody. That's true. Yeah. Without, without, and so, and it, he's not going to get caught. He's either going to die or he's not going to get caught. Yeah. Right? So. That's how I kind of framed it. All right. Liam Neeson like as D.B. Cooper. I had a couple people. I, sure. had, uh, I have a very particular I had maybe Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson oh, or Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg. I get Who's it. Clark Gregg. Um, oh, from, from uh, Agent Coulson. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's a little bit shorter, <laughs> but. Wait, and how, older is how well. tall yeah. is Robert Pattinson? He seems like he's 6'1". There's no way of knowing. He's too tall. Yeah. But yeah. you can hide it and when you're in an airplane. Right? Who's going to forget our Pat's face? Let's be honest. I tried to. <laughs> no, so and I, so I, handsome. That's the thing about what when they put that in Loki in the Loki movie, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, Tom Hiddleston. He kind of looks like D.B. Cooper. Yeah, it is. That was kind of yeah. funny in that way. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so he's got to get back. And part of the fun part about the movie is once he jumps out of the plane, now he's got to figure out, okay, now I'm in the middle of the wilderness. How do yeah. I get out of here? Right, he didn't. You no, know, it's almost kind of like a he got what, eaten like by that revenant. Like a revenant. Bear. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he got eaten yep. by the revenant bear. Yep, that's gotta what happened to DB Cooper. So it's all that combined together, and of course, I love it. Happy ending. Leonardo DiCaprio might be able to pull off. You got to put Cooper. you got to put the Russians in there somewhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. like that Owen Wilson movie. Wow, which one? Wow, 
behind enemy lines? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a behind, <laughs> behind enemy lines. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's a bit more military. So I, I kind of cheated on this one in that I didn't really go with a movie, but just hear me out. I right. went with a Netflix miniseries. <clears throat> You'd think that creating an internationally famous advertisement for Coca-Cola in 1971 would have finally brought Don Draper peace, what? but it didn't. Yes. The advertising executive still felt unfulfilled, and with his ex-wife Betty's cancer diagnosis, he needs to make sure that Sally, Bobby, and little Jean are taken care of. Don agonizes over how to make amends to his broken family and, frankly, just to feel alive again. While on a business trip to Oregon, Don has a dream of his former boss and mentor, Burt Cooper, telling him it would cost Don $200,000 to fly into heaven. The next morning, Don has an idea. He makes some preparations, takes a taxi to the airport, buys his ticket under the alias Dan Cooper. After all, it's not the first time he's assumed someone else's identity. He hijacks the plane, drinks, smokes, then jumps out of a plane with his money. He eventually makes his way to San Francisco, meets a girl, and convinces her to help him hijack another plane in January of 1972. Don doesn't ask for any ransom this time, but diverts that plane to Cuba, where he plans on exchanging the stolen and presumably marked American currency for gold or nickel. However, Don's womanizing ways gets him in trouble with the woman he brought with him, and she ends up shooting him on a high-rise hotel room balcony in Havana, where Don plummets to his death. And that's how Mad Men should have ended. Opening credits. Opening credits. He's falling. Every single time he's falling. I love it so much. And I thought it's going to be exactly that. With the music and everything, he's going to fall slow motion, and then it's just going to fade to black. And that's the end of Don Draper and the end of Mad Men. Can we call it Mad Men? Mad Men. Well, really, I just pitched a new finale for for Mad Mad Men. Men. Because in the finale of Mad Men, which... I stopped watching about midway through, but I kept yeah. up with the episodes. Nothing synopsis. happens, just like the whole show. Yeah, but then it gets to the end, <laughs> sure. and like Don Draper is not feeling fulfilled. He's an advertising executive. He's not feeling fulfilled, and then he, at the end, he comes up with the idea for "I'd like to buy the world a Coke," and that's the, that's the ending. Yeah, and the show technically ends in November 1970, but that ad aired in I think February of 1971, and so the timing was right. And there, this isn't just my theory. This was a whole thing. I looked out. And this theory's out there. Like, they thought for the longest time that Don Draper was going to end up being D.B. Cooper. What? Because John Hamm kind of looks like D.B. Cooper. He's a handsome man. But then the the showrunner basically (laughs) said, no, not going to happen. But the truth is... They should have ended it that way. It would be so cool. I mean, obviously, Burt Cooper is his boss and his mentor, and he does have a dream about him in the show a couple times. But Don has military experience. He was in the Korean War, I believe Mm -hmm. it was. Uh, he's middle-aged. He dresses sharp. He's very polite and well-spoken and calm. He drinks a lot. Drinks yeah. bourbon. Oh, definitely. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I, if, you, if you've seen the show, I kind of threw in a lot of elements from there that would make him do that. But I actually did pull in an actual hijacking in January 7th of 1972 where a man and a woman hijacked uh, a flight from San Francisco to Cuba. And so... There you go. I love it. Nice. That's. I, I just wanted that ending of the Mad Men falling. I yeah. never got it. So that's how I did it. So there you go. Wonderful. That's my pitch. Boy, that hey, Don Draper is Dan Cooper. Anyway, there you go. So there's our thoughts on DB Cooper. Do you have thoughts on this? What do you think happened? And are you have you already been pulled into the Dan or yeah. to the DB Cooper vortex, or is this your first experience with it? We want to know. Let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you once again, uh, Jake, for bringing this to our attention and for joining us here. Is You're there welcome. anyone you'd like to give a shout out to here at the end of the oh, show? Oh yeah, of course, my wife and my two daughters. Uh, yeah. And, and obviously D.B. Cooper, who's listening. Yeah. Yeah. Dan. Yeah. Dan. We can call him Dan, right? You know, sure. if, you know, 200000 appears in my bank account tomorrow morning, I won't say anything. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> well, minus the 5800 that the little boy found on the beach. Yeah, but it's been accruing interest. Yeah. Since oh, the 70s. yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. 
Hey, I forgot something. Oh. I'll give you guys something. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I got a buddy up in Portland that actually sent these to me. Really? Once I figured out Is what we were Is it Bigfoot Tears? Uh, Wait, no. You don't be those? so lucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'd probably be in a gallon jug anyways. Yeah, but they're huge. So, little D.B. Cooper action figures. What? Are those little minifigs? Yeah. Oh, it's oh, like yeah. those little army so pilots. Cool. He's yeah. got a parachuting <laughs> DB Cooper action and figure. Some extra shoots. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Extra awesome. So We're wait, it says this. back here, where could DB be? The infamous DB Cooper disappeared with $200,000 in a parachute November 24th, 1971. Reenact the escape. Find DB Cooper. So basically it gives you instructions on how to throw him. Oh, <laughs> that's I love great. it. Take it yeah, off your roof, so good. your I'm deck, a, whatever you want. I'm a fan. Thanks. Or, I don't know if this is allowed, but you can throw it out in an airplane if you wanted. Well. <laughs> Only if you depressurize the cabin and the flaps are to 15 degrees. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jake. And we hope to hear from you, listener. Let us know your thoughts on this unsolved mystery. But before we go, we want to thank some patrons in a couple of categories, including the I Am The Listener tier, which has Adam and Rachel Crump, Alicia Bass, Andrew In The Dark, Angela Plotz, Braden Winterton, Casey Cummings, Chris Drought, Dave Kelly. Hey! He's new. Debbie Foster, Glow Clan Daniel, Jake the Cooler King Swan. Hey, that's the guy here. <laughs> Jennifer Kilkowski, Johnny English the Brick, Lady Terry A. Finley, way less sad. Rocky and Steph, Ryan and Marley, Scott Sprague, Sean Sanquist, Shannon West, and Sir and Madam Hicks. Thank you. And then on our Bacon Council, we have uh, it's just a question mark, so I'm gonna say, huh? <laughs> Allison Gall, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Josh Hansen, Nicole Sitton in the Sinbin Hale. Our favorite couple, the Madsons, Star Wars expert Kyler, Stephen, everyone's favorite Ross, the one, the only Chris Anderson, and really, really, really bigger. <laughs> Swedish in there? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, patrons. We really do appreciate it. And we appreciate you, the listener, for listening to Bacon Cell. Keep spreading the good word of Bacon Cell. This may be the episode that draws someone in. Right, Kent? Right. Right. All those, we mentioned it before, the white women who love true crime. Maybe that was Zach. Oh. But he's right. <laughs> Yeah. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76 Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with Quickwits. They perform at the Midvale Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's showtimeshowdown.com. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Tumbling Mustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Go ahead and like that Facebook page and visit at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. While you're doing that, visit tpublic.com slash bacon sale where you can get all sorts of very fun merch and become a billboard of bacon sale and you like what's going on here and you want to support us further visit patreon.com slash bacon sale where support starts at just three dollars a month you can get access to all sorts of behind the scenes content and basically an extra episode every week patreon.com slash bacon sale so until next time i'm db cooper ah i knew it but yeah i did good yeah, good you job, did kid. Good, kid. <laughs> you hey. did good. You just got to slow it down. That's creepy. This, I learned this something. Was for this me. was for me. That's adorable. That's a that cute, cute story. That's why Aww. we do this show. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, hey really, guys. Really excited about hey the show today. There's two Jakes in a room. I'm always Juice. Ah. So if I accidentally call you Juice on purpose. But Juice, we have you here today. <laughs> juice! Yes. D.B. Cooper, bad name. Let's yeah. just put it that Dan way. Dan Cooper, uh, he's mowing the lawn. Yeah. You claim so, six foot. <laughs> You're actually just five. Ten. I knew you were gonna say that. Like, did he wear the sunglasses in the Tinder profile? That's what I want to know. Yeah, he right? seems to fit the profile of basically every podcast. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna blow you up, and I'm like, prove it. 
Harry, yes. did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Yes. Yeah. Dan, are you on a Dan basis with him now? Well, Juice and Dan, it's fine. <laughs> he went to BYU. He did? He and went to BYU. Can't trust him. Some friend. He was probably Utah fan. I had, I had a dumb fact. It was going to be a funny thing, and now I take it too long. I'm sorry. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> D.B. Cooper is James Potter, Harry Potter's father. Who would fit Wait, the profile? Why would James Potter say that to Draco? <laughs> started his own internet site and just called it IMDb. So Glenn Clayton. Glenn Clayton. Mary Milford. Sounds like you're trying to speak French. Glenn Clayton. Glenn Clayton. Give me $600,000 or three cheeseburgers. What if no, D.B. Cooper is the friends we made along the way? Your time is up and your parole's begun. You know what that means? Yes, Yes, it it means means I'm free. free.